Dunedin Erasmus. Welcome to another episode of the Weekly Wrap. This is a podcast in which I will tell you about some of the top articles from the latest edition of Farmers Weekly magazine. We also take a look at the week's biggest agricultural news stories. This week I'm discussing the 11th September issue, which will be on shelf from 4 September to next week Friday, 11 September. Our main feature this week looks at how digital technologies are revolutionizing auctions, resulting in better exposure for sellers and a broader purchasing base for buyers. Some of the other articles in this week's show include a profile piece on how government's unfulfilled promises has derailed one farmer's land reform dreams. There's also a look at some of the gaps in the sugar industry master plan and how this may dampen its impact. And we provide some information on the lineup that you can expect during NAMPO Virtual, which will take place next week from 9 to 12 September. Online livestock auctions are not a new thing. Ger Kutsia, the founder of Net Auctions, already started experimenting with online auctions in 2005. Kutsia says that his online auctions were well supported up until about 2010, after which interest dwindled, resulting in Kutsia only hosting an average of five auctions a year. But then 2020 happened, and interest has picked up significantly since the start of the COVID-19 lockdown. Kutsia now hosts multiple auctions per week, via his net auctions website and also via WhatsApp. One of the highlights being the sale of a Nguni bull at a world record price of 310,000 via WhatsApp earlier this year. BKB, four years ago, identified the digitalization of sales as a new trend and then already started working on ways to integrate the technology in their auction services. They launched their solution in February this year, and according to Gert Jordan, who's the digital auction manager at BKB, between April and August alone, they have sold more than 60,000 small stock, and their weekly Monday store lamb auction has been attended by an average of 31 to 45 buyers and 130 to 190 e-viewers per auction. Jordan says that the live streaming of auctions does add some costs as it requires back office support, sufficient available bandwidth, and a high quality digital catalog. The added costs, however, are generally offset by better prices as online sales allows more people to participate in the sale. If the animals are auctioned off from the farm, transport costs and disease risks are also eliminated. The system, says Jordan, has rendered auctions more vulnerable to chances and scammers, but he points out that this risk is eliminated by having bidders register and FICAD before they are allowed to participate in any sales. Animals also do not exchange hand until the buyer pays. Buyers, on the other hand, are protected by supplying them with as much information as possible about an animal before the sale. There's also a new kid on the block, Swift Fear, which claims to be the founders of real-time live stream auctions in South Africa. And they're also the first to incorporate machine learning and artificial intelligence in their product offering. Russell Luck, founder of Swift Fear, says they do not try to cut out the middleman, but rather to add value to auction agency offering. Their platform supports live webcasts, silent and timed auctions, 
and it has a mobile app which makes it easy to register and bid online. Farmers and agencies are also able to list groups of animals and sell these as you would do via a service such as Gumtree, for example. Swiftfear hosted its first online auction in July 2019 for Hobson & Co. And sales have been good since then, but it has picked up again significantly after the COVID-19 lockdown. And they are now hosting two to three auctions a day. And up to and this is for up to six days a week. But industry leaders believe that while digitalization is bringing more efficiencies to auctions, online auctions will not replace physical auctions of stud animals, especially for cattle, anytime soon. Simeon Hurwitz, who owns the Bullring Auction House near Omelo, along with his brother Jaron, says that auctions are highly personal, with most buyers still wanting to see touch and feel the animals they buy. It is also a great part of South African culture, says Simeon, a place for farmers to socialize, network and catch up. They have, however, incorporated digital solutions in parallel with their physical auctions. And they make use of swift fear via Flay Central to host their annual auctions online in tandem with the live physical auction. Moving on to the next story, Soli Letswalu who has been a beneficiary of government's Proactive Land Acquisition Strategy, or the PLUS program, since 2007, says that the government has betrayed black farmers by promising them funds, recapitalization, and committing to pay money, which they have not done. He says that since he first accessed support through the PLUS program, he has spent more time filling out forms and jumping through hoops to receive promised funding than he has actually filed. Besides recapitalization money, that has been outstanding for more than four years. He's also awaiting funding that was promised as part of the COVID-19 relief funds for smallholder farmers. But, says Letswalu, government doesn't necessarily fail from a lack of trying. For the most part, he says... There is an intent and effort being made to do things correctly, but implementation gets derailed with problems caused, amongst others, by corruption. Letsuwalu started farming in Zanin in 2007 on a farm in Deer Park, and this he had under lease agreement, which was provided through the PLUS program. Since the property was rather dilapidated, and government funding to do the repairs was delayed, he used his own savings to renovate the farmhouse to make it livable for him and his family. He says that he used every last cent he had, and he had just finished the renovations when the Limpopo Department of Agriculture informed him that he had to move. The reason he was given was that the property had not yet been registered as state land, even though the department had already allocated it to him. So then in 2009, Letswalu was moved to a smaller farm with about three hectares of mangoes, but there was no water on the farm. After making numerous requests and even making his plight known via the presidential hotline, in 2012, three years later, Letswalu was given access to a 128-hectare farm near Trichardstal, this farm had about 60 hectares of dryland mangoes and 35 hectares suitable for cash crops. However, the farm's borehole was only able to irrigate about 10 hectares of the vegetables. Again, he says, there were structures that needed to be repaired. And apart from uncertainty about the nature of his lease agreement with the state, 
and his right to occupy this land, Letswalo had also had to wait until 2016 before he received any recapitalization money from the state. And even then, he didn't receive the full amount that he needed to get the farm into production. So in the meantime, he had to let go of about 120 people who were previously employed on the farm. And now the implements and irrigation systems on the farm lie idle. Letswala says he's not able to go anywhere else because he doesn't have any ownership. And also the implements that he does have does not belong to him. It belongs to the farm. He has also experienced problems with transferring the farm's water rights into his name. Because of all of these frustrations, Letswala says he has come to believe that the people in the water and the agricultural departments just don't know what they are doing. He also bemoans the lack of consistency from government, saying that each department keeps coming up with new schemes, and each new scheme brings new people, and thus it just turns into a never-ending cycle where new programs are launched even though the previous ones have failed. The South African Sugarcane Value Chain Master Plan is aimed at getting the country's long-ailing sugar industry out of its economic doldrums. However, according to Bodevane Huesens, who is Bon Sucro's regional director for Africa, some critical socio-environmental sustainability aspects have been overlooked by the plan. South Africa's sugar production has decreased by about 25% over the past 20 years. The struggle is due to a mix of issues, such as changing weather patterns, the impact of global warming, unfavorable tariffs, and the sugar tax. It is against this background that the Sugar Master Plan aims to turn the sugarcane industry into a successful business once again over the next 10 years. However, Huisen believes the plan lacks in social and green strategies. According to him, although the terms sustainability and sustainable are used 17 times in the master plan, details are missing on how to tackle both social and environmental sustainability factors. Huisen says that Sustainability increasingly features as a condition to trade. Most multinationals and local buyers of sugar and other sugarcane-derived products have published their sustainable sourcing commitments or are planning to do so in the near future. For this reason, offering sustainably produced products to local and international markets will encourage sourcing from South Africa in the future. Kwesen says he would like to see the master plan offering more specifics on how this issue will be tackled through collaboration with various sustainability initiatives and organizations. He suggests the master plan's executive oversight committee should include experts on sustainability or as an alternative option, a specialized task team for social and environmental sustainability should be assembled. This is the only way that South Africa will create the sophisticated and sustainable sugarcane sector the master plan has set its sights on, says Huesens. The Nampo Harvest Day, which has been running for over 60 years and which in recent years have drawn over 70,000 visitors, has had to be cancelled this year because of the extension of the COVID-19 lockdown regulations. But this is not where the story ends. After announcing the cancellation of Nampo, Grady Say also announced that it would this year launch Nampo Virtual, 
an online platform that ensures that NAMPO can still continue, even if not as a live event with a physical home. Grades A and exhibitors from across the agricultural value chain have promised to make NAMPO virtual a memorable experience by not only meeting the old expectations of NAMPO Harvest Day, but by introducing new and innovative means for farmers and exhibitors to interact. The online event will take place next week from 9 to 12 September. To register as a visitor for NAMPO Virtual and for more information about the event, you can visit namporvirtual.co.za. There is no entrance fee to the NAMPO Virtual platform and visitors will be able to visit as many exhibitions as they desire as many times as they like. However, some workshops and conference attendance may require a ticket, which is also available for purchase via the NAMPO virtual platform. Let's quickly take a look at some of the top agricultural news from last week. The 2020-2021 production forecast for winter grains is looking promising with bumper crops expected after difficult production conditions during the previous season. According to Wandela Schlobel, Chief Economist at Agbis, the 2020 barley and canola harvests were set to be the largest on record, while the wheat harvest would be the biggest in nearly a decade. The Crop Estimates Committee's first production forecast for wheat was 1,96 million tonnes. That's 27,8% more than the previous season's crop of 1,53 million tonnes. The expected average yield was 3,8 tonnes per hectare, up from the previous season's average of 2,7 tonnes per hectare. So Schlobel said that the expected increase in wheat production bode well for South Africa's agricultural trade balance, as South Africa was still a net importer of wheat. Over the past five years, South Africa, which consumes about 3,2 million tonnes of wheat per year, had imported around 51% of its annual wheat consumption. So Schlobel added that according to his calculations, due to the big wheat crop, South Africa's wheat imports could fall by about 300,000 tonnes in 2020-2021. Local broiler producers are concerned that large-scale dumping of imported chicken meat onto the local market could take place as trade disruptions ease now that South Africa has entered a lower lockdown level. Isaac Breitenbach, General Manager of the South African Poultry Association's broiler organization, said there was currently a global oversupply of chicken meat and countries such as Brazil and the US had large supplies of frozen chicken meat that built up due to international COVID-19 related trade restrictions and they now need to get rid of this. He said these chicken exporting countries would be looking closely at countries where they have exported to in the past, such as South Africa. Now the last story for this week. Seaweed farming is set to grow exponentially. The production of seaweed around the world is currently worth around $6 billion dollars. And global production of microalgae, which includes different types of seaweed, has surpassed 30 million tons a year, with nearly all of this coming from Asia. But according to senior scientist at Aarhus University in Denmark, Annette Brun, 
Because labor was really expensive in Europe, major efforts to upscale mechanization was needed to increase yields and decrease costs of seaweed farming, thereby making it viable. Analysts predicted that the seaweed industry could double in the next few years as farms expanded in China, Indonesia, the Philippines, South Korea, Norway, Canada, and the US. That was it for this week. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Weekly Wrap. Join me again next week when I will be discussing some of the features from the 18 September issue, in which you can read all about why a comprehensive and all-inclusive budget is critical to the success of any farming business. We also have articles on a new disease threat to citrus, papaya, and other subtropical fruits and on the effective management of cutworm in maize. One of our main features investigates how the COVID-19 lockdown has triggered a rise in rural crime, but more about that next week. In the meantime, remember to follow us on social media for all the latest farming news updates. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Farmers Weekly SA. Until next week, Stay safe and happy farming.